Hello, everybody, and welcome to Penguins to Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and we continue the 2022-23 Pittsburgh Penguins player reviews with Mikhail Granlund and Josh Archibald. This is the final Penguins player reviews of forwards. So later this week, we'll get into the defense, the Chris Letangs, the Brian Dumoulins, the Marcus Pedersons, the Jeff Petries. Next week, we'll hit P.O. Joseph, Jan Ruda, Chad Ruedel, and then we'll get into the goaltenders. But to close out the forwards, we have Josh Archibald and Mikhail Granlund. I want to start with Archibald. This season, six goals, 11th for the Pens. Six assists as well, which was tied for 15th on the Pens. 12 points in general, which was also good for 15th. And his underlying stats had him in a similar position on the roster. 50% of the shot attempts, which was good for 15th on the Pittsburgh Penguins. 53% of the expected goals for went on the ice at 5-on-5. That's 51, or sorry, that's 15th. And 51.75, there it is, percent of the scoring chances for it 5-on-5. That was good for 14th on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So statistically, not an overwhelming success for Josh Archibald, but when the expectation meets the reality, you have a player in Josh Archibald that knew his role and he played his role to a T. You really can't take anything away from the season Josh Archibald had, because if you do, you just expected too much. I'm not sure there's very many people that expected much out of Josh Archibald. He came out and did exactly what I expected him to do, right? I hadn't expected much from Archibald back initially when Ron Hextall confidently took the podium on the opening day of free agency in 2022 and said, we have not signed Johan Larson. I cannot speak to any of the rumors about Johan Larson, but... I can tell you, we have signed Josh Archibald to a one-year contract for $900,000. And everybody from the feed, it seemed like, everybody in the media room said, Oh? Okay? Like, you're very confident about stating that, even though this is a player in Josh Archibald, nothing against him doesn't really make a difference if you sign him on the opening day of free agency or if you sign him right before training camp. He might have still been available and probably at the same price. So golf claps to you, Ron. That's what most people said. Like, all right, organizational depth. Sure, fine, cool, whatever. And most people moved on, including me. Archibald made the team out of camp, made the opening night roster out of camp. And for the most part, Played the majority of the season as the Penguins' fourth-line right wing. Killed some penalties. Was basically the only pest the Pittsburgh Penguins had on the roster. He played that role to a T, and he was fine, right? He was nothing spectacular. He wasn't somebody that you would throw out there and say, hey, one of the best fourth-liners in hockey. He really played his role perfectly and then went above and beyond the call of duty. No, he didn't do any of that. He was Josh Archibald. Everything you would expect from that statement, he was this season. Not much to write home about, 
not much to really take against him. Like I said, would I re-sign him if I was the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins? Not right away. Right? Like I said for last offseason, he's not a guy you need to go out and make sure you get on that opening day of free agency. Did he play his role well? Yes. Was he available for the Penguins for most of the season? Yeah, and that's another thing you need to ask of depth players. Make sure you're healthy. Make sure we can utilize you as a team. And he did that. Was he a distraction? No, he wasn't a distraction this season. There were plenty of distractions for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It wasn't Josh Archibald. So, would I mind seeing the Penguins bring him back? No, he's a cheap depth option. He might be somebody you leave out there as a break, cla- break glass excuse me, in case of emergency signing. Not a guy I'd say, you know what, we need to make sure we get him signed. Before he hits the open market, because if he hits the open market, phew, you might not be able to get Josh Archibald back. No, I'm not I'm not worried about that. But if they bring him back, sure, fine. 13th forward, 14th forward, even in the role he was last season, not horrible. But as we can all agree, the bottom six was not good enough. And you need to make basically upgrades in every single position in that bottom six, including fourth line right wing. So yeah, break glass in case of emergency with Josh Archibald. Now let's talk about Mikhail Grayland. With the Pittsburgh Penguins last year, he had one goal, four assists for five points in 21 games. If you're unaware or just don't care to do the math, which I get it, I don't care to do the math sometimes, 21 games is a quarter of a season. So very easily... We can project that if he played the way he did with Pittsburgh for a full season, Mikhail Granlin would have finished with four goals, which is less than Josh Archibald, and 20 points, which is more than Josh Archibald, but certainly not enough for somebody who is signed for two more seasons at $5 million apiece. Again, with that performance, he would have scored less goals than Josh Archibald, a $900,000 one-year veteran. So yeah, not not a great sign there. Underlying stats, 51% of the shot attempts went on the ice at 5-on-5, which was good for 16th among the Pittsburgh Penguins, among skaters that played at least 200 minutes of ice time, which Granlin did. 57.5% of the expected goals went on the ice, which was first on the Penguins. 60% of the scoring chances for, which was first on the Penguins. But again, he played 21 games, whereas the majority of the rest of the team played over 40. Some played up to 82 games, including Crosby and Malkin. And Gensel played close to 80. I believe he played 79. Rust was up there. Raquel was up there. Zucker was up there. So, smaller sample size. But at the very least, his underlying numbers looked good. That's probably the most positive thing I could say about Mikhail Granlin's time at the end of the season after being traded to Pittsburgh. There are very few times that the masses, when they have a universal opinion on a player, or a universal opinion on a trade, very few times, I will say, 
are they 100% correct? On their initial reaction, I should say. They were correct. Everybody was underwhelmed by the move after seeing Ron Hextall clear out cap space, get rid of Kapanen, Bluger, McGinn, all in one week's time, right before the trade deadline, in order to make that big move. And it ends up being Mikhail Granlund? No money retained for a second-round pick. Everybody was underwhelmed with that result. And they were 100% correct to be underwhelmed with that result. People say give it time. The Penguins gave it a quarter of the season. Still didn't look good. In fact, it looked worse as Granlin continued to play for the Penguins. He was the nail in the coffin for the Ron Hextall era. I mean, Chris Pryor, from what we've heard, I believe it was from The Athletic, either Rob Rossi or Josh Yoey, that said Chris Pryor was the guy who identified Mikhail Granlund as a target. Well, he's out of here for that reason, probably. And more, he was Ron Hextall's right-hand man. But Granlund being the nail in the coffin for the Hextall era might be the only contribution that he made last season. I didn't see many other positives from his game. And I honestly haven't seen a deadline piece fit worse since the Penguins acquired Derek Broussard in 2018. And I get it. Five years in the grand scheme of things isn't much. But let's not forget, the Penguins traded the farm to get Derek Broussard on the team in 2018. That was their big swing at a three-peat. It was the wrong swing. And even that goes toe-to-toe with trading a second rounder from Mikhail Granlund. It really does. Like, if it wasn't for how much the Penguins gave up, that would probably be on the same level as this. Now, the Granlund stuff goes underneath it because they didn't make the playoffs. The stakes were not as high because you weren't going for a third Stanley Cup in a row. And at the end of the day, I don't know. Broussard was even a better fit, though. Like, Mikhail Granlund was not good at hockey. That's the biggest issue. He was weak on the puck, from my observation. Weak on the puck. Never really got into the high chance areas in the offensive zone. And he can't finish. He brought almost nothing. The one thing that is considered a strong suit for Mikhail Granlund is his passing ability. And he didn't even show that in the last 21 games. Now, there is a chance that he comes back to the team next year, gets another opportunity to make a better impression. That's going to be what you need to see. You're going to need to see him become a facilitator. With Nashville this season, he played predominantly in the top six. Is that what we need to see from Mikhail Granlin to get anything out of him? $5 million, you need to get production out of that. If you're not able to offload it, and there's a high chance that nobody wants to take that contract this summer. So there is a chance that he is back next season. I would say it's more likely that he's back than it is that he's not. No matter how bad he was, no matter how much this new general manager, whoever it may be, wants to get rid of him, there might not be a suitor, and there not might be a deal to make surrounding Mikhail Granlin. So if he is back, is that what you have to do? Do you have to put him in the top six? There might be a spot vacated because Jason Zucker's gone, but 
Zucker also plays the left side. Granlund plays the right. It that point, it's a Dom Simone situation. You're paying a Dom Simone type player $5 million. It just keeps getting worse from the optics standpoint, right? Because Dom Simone was a replacement level player. For the most part, when he was in Pittsburgh, he was on a two-way contract. And even when he was on a one-way contract, what you saw was if he's not playing with Sidney Crosby, he's not contributing to your team. We haven't seen Mikhail Granlin play with Sidney Crosby. We haven't seen Mikhail Granlin play extensively with Evgeny Malkin. So we don't know what he is with them. We've seen him play top six minutes with Nashville. Guys like Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson. He did that last season and scored nine goals and 27 assists in 58 games with them. Not overly impressive numbers, but certainly more than he showed in Pittsburgh. So is that what you have to do? Is it top six or out of the lineup for Mikhail Granlin? Is it top six or not contributing for Mikhail Granlin? I mean, it's not a good situation to be in. If he's with the Penguins, that might be the only way to salvage any sort of production out of him. Now, there's a chance he comes into Pittsburgh next year. He's more comfortable entering a full season, gets the offseason to kind of acclimate a little bit to his situation, to where he's going to be playing, to the role that he's going to have. And he comes out and he's a decent bottom six guy. Maybe he's the third line center to start the season. It's not going to take much to show more than he did at the end of last year, but he needs to show way more than that for $5 million. At the end of the day, this is a player review. And the review of Mikael Granlin is that he was crap last year for the Pens. Can't say much about what he was for, for Nashville. Watched very little of him in Nashville. But what he was for the Penguins was a non-factor to the 10th degree. He really wasn't. So what did the Penguins do with him? That's a story for a different day. But he was certainly one of, if not the worst players. Certainly the worst bang-for-your-buck players. But one of the worst players on the Penguins to end the season. Gave nothing. If there was a highlight moment for him, it was his garbage-time goal against the Philadelphia Flyers that meant absolutely nothing. So, at this point, I don't know if I'm going out on a limb here. You got to let me know in the comments or leave a review and let me know or tag me on social media. You know, Nick underscore Berlansky at most social medias or just tip of the iceberg podcast. Search that. Find it. I'll get the I'll get the message if you leave it there. Is this going out on a limb a little too much? Mikhail Granlund was an even bigger anchor than Jeff Carter at the end of the season. And he's an even bigger anchor than Jeff Carter moving forward. I get it. Jeff Carter puts the Penguins in a bad spot. No move clause. $3.75 million for the next year and a 38-year-old that moves around the ice like he's getting ready to play old-timers and he's 70. Like That's what it looks like on the outside because he's playing with younger, faster talent that makes him look slower and older. I get that. But $5 million for the next two years for a player that does... Pretty much the same thing. He's just younger and a little bit faster. I see Granlin as a much, 
much bigger anchor than Jeff Carter moving forward. But that's going to do it for this episode of Penguins to Go. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from. We'll see you guys next time.